Your news programme, every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Well, good morning to you. I mean, we, we have talked about this refugee crisis in Europe now for weeks, really, really for months and years, uh, but the humanitarian aspect of it has been very much highlighted in recent weeks. What about the historical aspect? How far back do we go, for example, in European history to understand uh, migration and attitudes towards migrants? Professor Peter Heather from the History Department at King's College London can, in fact, take us all the way back now to the days of the Roman Empire. Good morning to you from Seoul. Yes, good morning. Well, actually, good evening to you from Oxford, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time, uh, and what is a later time for you. But were refugees actually common during the Roman era? Migration presumably was. The whole concept of refugee, was that around then as well? Yes, it was. The Romans had a concept of the refugee. Obviously, they had uh, the sort of steady trickle of economic migrants as well, but they have these moments of crisis very similar to the ones that we see happening today, yeah. The Roman Empire stretched over a considerable period of time and, and, and geography, but at its height, uh, I suppose it had to accept all different kinds of people from all different kinds of cultures. Did, did that assimilate rather well, or was it more challenging? actually very good at assimilating. Uh, the, the characteristic culture of the empire is only shared by a very small elite minority of the empire. I mean, maybe only sort of 5% the landowning classes. The, the cultural composition of the vast majority of everybody else who, as it were, works the land, that is very diverse in this thing. I mean, it stretches all the way from Scotland to Iraq. It's... Uh, an astonishing array of languages. So there's, there isn't that same kind of um, national, coherent culture that might be challenged by refugees that you would find in the modern world. But what if you started getting great numbers of people from, say, Carthage showing up in Rome, um, uh, you know, moving within the empire to, to parts of the empire that were considered perhaps more prestigious or, or desirable? Would that have been a problem? Not enormously. Uh, what the empire is very successful at is uh, spreading uh, a common culture amongst uh, everyone who's got some kind of a stake in the state, uh, elite landowners um, across the empire. I mean, the, the way to think about this is to ask who is a Roman. Mm. And obviously, in the early period when the, the empire is being created by conquest, then Romans are... Uh, the people of Rome itself, the city, but by you know 200 years down the road, once the empire has been in existence that long, then Romans are the elite everywhere across the empire who share in the elite culture, mm. and they're very used to people with funny accents, as it were, turning up. But <laughs> the same, the same basic uh, cultural values are shared by the elite, uh, and the I'm afraid. It, it's not a modern state, and this elite did not really care about the mass of the population. And if you had cultural divergences amongst the, the mass of the population, they really didn't care. In fact, they really didn't notice. 
I'm interested as well to draw on um, a fairly ancient text that does reveal something about the way people um, lived under the Roman Empire when they didn't really feel a part of it, and that would be the Bible, in fact. Um, when we look at biblical text, do we see how you, you, know, you might have religious minorities or majorities in certain parts of the world, in Jews, for example, the, the, the way yeah, they the, were treated the by the Romans. found a way to coexist with the empire and the empire with the Jews uh, until the empire became Christian. At that point, uh, obviously, if you go back to the first century AD with the Jewish revolt, there's a serious problem there. But for the next three centuries, the empire and its Jewish minority population uh, find a way to coexist perfectly happily. When the empire becomes Christian after the conversion of Constantine in the fourth century, then the Jews do start to face uh, punitive legal measures, and it becomes more problematic. Uh, but basically, the, the Roman Empire, as long as you were willing to perform certain sacrifices and pay your taxes, it would let you carry on uh, as you wished, more or less. Mm. And it's small mi minority groups who absolutely will not participate in uh, even small-scale public acts of uh, commitment to the imperial uh, ideal, like the early Christians before the empire becomes Christian, they're, they're the ones that invite persecution and so on. Well, I, as the reason I introduced the background of, of Jews there is because obviously today there is this religious um, context to some of the persecution facing um, migrants or refugees who are considered undesirable, uh, being from the Islamic world. With, with Jews, they were very much at the formation of this persecuting society at some point in the medieval history of Europe, weren't they? Yes, they were. Again, when the sort of very strong binding uh, Catholic culture starts to emerge in high medieval Europe, I and mean, we're talking 11th, 12th, 13th centuries mm. at that point, then anyone who is not uh, willing to participate in that culture starts to become a target and it's Jews but also Christian dissidents or people who are perceived as Christian dissidents uh, start to feel the wrath of this structure. W what's very different about the, the medieval cultural structure of Catholicism compared to uh, the Roman Empire is the, the Roman Empire really didn't care about the majority of its population as long as they did a few small things. But the, the Catholic culture, because they were talking about saving everyone's souls, uh, then they wanted to transpose their cultural model onto the totality of the population. Mm. So, in fact, that meant for, made for much more aggressive persecution and, and uh, constraint to bring people into line with the model. It's interesting because we sometimes hear politicians in Europe today say, well, it's not very European to shut off our borders. This concept of being European then, when does that start to come in? Was that a 20th century invention? Yes, it's, uh, for the most part, it's late 19th and early 20th century. And it's, as with most senses of identity, it's formed in uh junction with contact with outsiders. I mean, that's when people define themselves and have to define themselves. Uh, and it's the colonial era of European expansion abroad then creates this notion of Europeanness, uh, a, a 
a bit like the Roman concept. I mean, the Romans thought of themselves as literally God's gift to humanity. Uh, in their case, it was absolutely literal, that understanding mm. that they're a superior group who are put there to enlighten everybody. Uh, that's uh, exactly what the Romans thought, and the, the sort of uh, European self-understanding, uh, which is not quite so divinely uh, orchestrated, I think, uh, that is created in, in the same kind of a moment of empire creation, in, uh, the, the, which is sort of equivalent to when Romanness is being defined as the Roman Empire is created. Yes. Is there something we might be able to learn from the Roman Empire? Oh, they, they obviously uh, suffered in the end, but uh, there was great success along the way uh, in terms of the way that they incorporated people from different parts of the world, refugees, um, migrants, for different reasons. I think a lot of analogies. Um, the Romans had a need for uh, migrants of all kinds and were willing to accept refugees on the empire's terms in really very large numbers. I mean, again, you have that the same kind of distinction between uh, trickles or streams of economic migrants and moment and moments of cluster where you get lots of political refugees but the romans didn't mind political refugees as long as the political refugees were willing to uh, accept imperial authority uh, they'd even treat them quite well giving them um, land on decent terms i suppose the, the reason why the empire needed migrants so much is that demographically this is a world of very low population. So labor, uh, the labor force is at a premium. Uh, you can have all the land in the world, but without a labor force in a world that doesn't have tractors, then it's uh, no use at all. It doesn't generate any income. So uh, imperial authorities were always interested in recruiting labor that was there pretty voluntarily, uh, both to pay taxes and to mobilize in the army and whatever. And I think in, in the same kind of way, Many of the developed Western nations, um, Britain, Germany, France to some extent, they're in positions of, of, of falling birth rates amongst established native populations. And there are pension bills and all kinds of uh, taxes that need to be paid. And they do actually need uh, migration um, to help pay the bills and square yeah. that circle in, in the years to come. That's very straightforwardly clear, I think. And uh, is obviously a lesson that has con continued to uh, resound through those centuries all the way through to today. It is uh, interesting drawing ourselves all the way back to the Roman Empire. Professor Heather, great to have you on the line. Uh, my pleasure. Professor Peter Heather there, uh, based in Oxford right now, but from King's College London. You can email your thoughts or questions, any strong opinions you might have on the subject, to efmthismorning at gmail.com.